welcome back to Plus One to Gaming. I'm Chris. And I'm Eric. And with us once again are our good friends and table mates, Billy and Mark. Hey, guys. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Well, pretty stoked because we got through the first adventure in Candlekeep Mysteries, but even more excited to get into the next one, which, Eric, you'll be DMing. You'll be running that one for us. But yep. for, for this episode, I thought it'd be cool to just talk a little bit about the adventure we played, what you liked, what you didn't, what you learned, or just like any general thoughts you have about the game, the book um, that you might want to share before we pass it over to Eric as he takes us into the next adventure. Uh, so how does that sound? Sounds good. All right. Well, this is not this is not the first mysterious mansion that we've ever been in. But yeah. what, what did you guys think about this this first adventure, uh, Eric? I'll pass it over to you first. Yeah, I thought it was it was a nice. Um, actually, I have the book, and I haven't gone back and looked through. You know, I've been purposefully skipping all of the sections that I'm not going to be damning. Uh, I haven't gone back and looked through it, but <clears throat> it was a nice, concise mansion. Um, I posted the picture of my map that I made following along your descriptions. And there was one point, maybe two points where I got confused and had to like change things, but it was, it was a very simple layout, which made it, made it a lot easier to do like theater of the mind and not have to have a map, you know, on a screen somewhere. You did a really good job at that. Cause we did not play with a map at all. Yeah. Uh, and I enjoy doing that. I think it's kind of fun. Um, just trying to live in the space in my brain and like drawing it helps me kind of solidify the space a little better. So I normally do it anyway, if we don't have a map. Um, so I don't know the, the, the mansion itself, like the map of it, like I said, was, was simple enough that it was, it was easy for us to do theater of the mind, which I appreciate. In the future, would it be helpful yeah. to have like the the square footage that when our when our friend Jake did it into the Tomb of Horrors, like for me mapping it out, it was a lot easier knowing it was oh it was a two, you know two wide five deep squares. Yeah, I mean I think with like Tomb of Horrors that really mattered because like there'd be a trap at like a very specific place, and if you walk there, you're dead. I, I don't think we need to get like as granular as that unless it matters mm. uh you know otherwise we can just kind of i don't i mean i don't know you could tell me like it's a this by this room which might help but i'm not like drawing on grid paper or anything so it doesn't matter that much at least insofar as like my um cartography yeah i think it would help um like when you walk into a room just like the first thing that you would like notice um would be you know how big the room is that's like a very obvious thing that when you walk in i think uh one of the things that got me about not having a map is that like a lot of information that i didn't ask for is uh things that i thought would be like really obvious you know like <laughs> it, it's hard to to think about like when you walk into something Something that doesn't take a perception check, something that like when you walk in, it's just, okay, this is a room. Like what would you obviously see right off the bat? And like the size of the room, things like that <clears throat> would be like would be key. And so like it's you know, it's that fine line of you know, describing the room as soon as you walk in, 
like even maybe using some passive perception checks um just so it's you know if we have to ask about every little thing in the room it sometimes slows it down which is i think maybe why it yeah. took a little bit longer because mm. it's like it's like pulling teeth about every little bit of information in the room is like <clears throat> i i don't know if passive perception checks were used but it's like you know when you walk in the sides are even if it doesn't have to be you know exactly 25 foot by 20 foot room you know you can just say like if you had that information it's really easy you but you could say like a large room, a medium room, you know, about 20 by 25 foot. Yeah. So when, like when we walk into a room, <clears throat> like there's a couple times in there when, like when we would say we'd, we'd, we wanted to do something and then we'd be like, well, the room's not big enough for that, you know? So yeah. No, it also kind of, time. yeah. 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 It kind of could depend. I feel like it could be more useful too, depending on your class or, you know, also what you're trying to do. Yeah, if, so you've if got... you're melee or like Eric trying to throw his shield blocks around, whereas I just kind of needed to stand and shoot arrows, which is unless it's a really tiny room, didn't matter all that much to me. But one thing I noticed myself without a map, because, you know, we've played in the past with everything from like roll 20 to Eric's minifig collection, like standing in and... This time, I felt like I had to play more my own character. It was more like introspective, like what would my character do? Because I I couldn't as easily keep track of everyone else and just like follow along. So that was kind of interesting to me. Yeah, playing with no like literally just paper and and your imagination. It's a whole different element. There's so many things that can get lost in the in the shuffle. Like Billy brought up, like how much information is important. You know, those are things that like I struggled with too of like how much to give without making it too obvious. Um, or, you know, I, I try to only bring things up if it matters, like the small spaces. Like, yeah, like normally it won't be an issue unless until it is like when in the map you're in a tiny space like that. But I also understand like making sure you guys have adequate information is really, really important. <laughs> Yeah, and, and what Billy was talking about, like with the passive perception, like I feel like every time we go into a room, I'm looking at the the pages now. <clears throat> um, you know, every time you go into a room, it has the the like description and you read all of those. Like that's, I think that's what Billy was talking Like when you walk into a room, you kind of know how big it is. You get these descriptions, um, but none of them say, you know, it's a 15 by 15 room which I have now just changed my answer. I do think that that's important, and I'll tell you why. Um, we missed, and it took us forever to find the secret passageway behind the study. And if we were doing grid and being precise, and if we were smart, all of the other rooms are 20 by 15 and that one's 15 by 15 so we may have noticed that it's smaller mm -hmm. on like the northern end or whatever um i might be giving myself too much credit <laughs> to think that i would notice something like that um but that might be i don't know if that is generally a a clue to something like this yeah well but then also you know to to your credit and to the party's credit you guys even though it was you know, it was in there. There were some things that distracted 
that were built like I think probably intentionally built into the book to be distracting that kind of you know pulled you guys it's weird because the book tries to both focus you into the study but also you know in some ways distract you from the study simultaneously so it's it it's interesting in that regard yeah but you found you were able to find that you needed some you there was still more to discover and you came up with a unique way a unique solution to find that so i'm actually even though it took you know like you guys thoroughly searched the mansion and that took some time you did it in a way that was unique to those characters and i think there's something to be said for that as well yeah Yeah, and how much of the layout and exploration is part of the puzzle like how much of that is the game i wonder um and i feel like eric now having noticed how like the pattern in the room size like those kind of things to me feels almost like escape roomy like you're learning who made this and kind of what mechanics they might be using Mm. which is kind of cool um you know it was hidden and we missed it and had to like circle back. And at least for me personally, I, I'm like, yep, that sounds like me. That's what would happen. I'd miss it and have to go back. Yeah. I think we also missed, there was a pantry. I don't know if there's anything in the pantry. There and, wasn't. Just food. And yeah, well, good. <clears throat> and a, what looks like a balcony outside of the uh, bedroom. I think I just took I I think I just took that out because there wasn't anything really in it. We don't need to waste 10 minutes looking through nothing. Yeah. Yeah. So there, and there's, there were, there were a few encounters that I just pulled completely. I kind of wish maybe I would have pulled another one, but um, yeah, because I just didn't want to waste your time. And Eric and I kind of talked about this before we started recording, you know, in this adventure, things just kind of jump out and attack you without you get like you don't really get many options to negotiate or defer combat it's just oh books attack you chair attacks you another book attacks you which is like okay i mean it wears the party down and makes the search like it has an effect but um i I, I like combat but I, i do i do feel like it slows things down substantially yeah, and it's interesting because there's like a balance. Like we were going to find all of the books. Like we we just were. So, and then the puzzle at the end is just spelling. So we would have figured that out also. So then you have to put some roadblocks in the way to at least make it feel like a challenge. And like, fi- like figuring out exactly how many roadblocks before it just gets tedious, I feel like is is a tough like algorithm to to figure out yeah Mm -hmm. i i agree i mean it was like the uh, some of the stuff didn't seem like puzzles it just seemed like you just needed to push your way through it like the um like the spelling was a big puzzle and then like the the room with the telescopes but that was a pretty simple puzzle like it was pretty obvious like you Mm -hmm. walk in you're like oh this is exactly like yeah you know like was i i didn't know but was there like a puzzle to find out about that secret passage that we missed like was it just seemed like was there anything that was supposed to lead us there or was it something that we just had to do a good enough perception check 
Yeah, so with that, Teruvian was really close to it. He just did not roll high enough. Otherwise, he would have found it. He would have found the book. There was a book that you, know, you, you pull, and if you do, it opens the sliding or the, the hidden door. So he was right on it, right on top of it, and unfortunately missed it, and so I had to pivot because it was just... Like one of those calls you may have to make as a DM where it's like, uh, he obviously did not roll high enough to solve the, or to read the, the, reach the DC investigation. But was there a, was there a thing that like, cause when he was searching for it, we already knew that there was a secret door there. Like the people gave us. So is that how it was supposed to be? Or was it something that we were generally supposed to discover the secret door there? Like when he did his perception check, we knew that there was a secret door in there somehow. We just didn't know how to get to it. But like, I think there was a gap in between us. Like, how are we supposed to find out about the secret door? Was there yeah. something in there that we missed? Well, you had talked to you had talked to Coriander, and she had given you or it had given you a clue that Fistandia and Freyot would go into the study, and even though they would have gone in there, they would they would you know disappear for hours and not be in the study. Okay. Which yeah, kind of led so, you to believe like, oh, they went in and there was some kind of secret portal. You guys smashed or looked behind the pictures. Um, so the, and Teruvian, like he found the spot. He just didn't, for his perception check, he hadn't, uh, he just, I'm trying to find the DC. It was pretty low. <laughs> but uh, he did, you can listen back to the episode. He yeah, missed I, that, the, the check. And then Levo in her... Uh, frustration with the books then kind of duplicated his check with a more smashing oriented check and then that's when i gave you the oh you found the secret hole no i i get that i'm i'm saying like were were we supposed to find all the books except for one and then just and then find out that there's something that we're missing was it genuinely like because we didn't get that information until we already asked her about the secret the the basement like that's what i'm saying like there's a yeah you were supposed to you know find there's it. a gap yeah like, we were supposed to find it when we went in that room initially if we did a perception check mm -hmm. without knowing that there was a secret entrance would we have found the secret entrance you would have had to have rolled a perception check to find the the book that would have opened the secret door that required a, a perception check Teruvian yeah. tried to make that check and failed it. No, I'm, you, okay. yeah, and then and then Levo saved it basically. No, yeah. I understand that. Were you if we didn't know that there was a secret door and we rolled a perception check, would we have found the secret door? Like I understand your question. If we rolled yes. a perception check because when we went through the beginning, like when I was looking through for the books, like it seemed like you didn't want us rolling perception checks because I I would roll a perception check when we went into the room. You're like, oh, well, they're an obvious book. You'd find it. Like, but because when we first went through, we were doing like perception checks in all the rooms. And then it, we stopped doing that because mm. it seemed like we were being pushed towards, oh, well, you don't need to do a perception check because the books are pretty obvious. You know what you're looking for. Yes. So, so that's why we didn't roll a perception check in that one room. Well, okay. L yeah. I mean, that's so when you first went in there, you went in, got distracted by a cat and left. So you didn't, yeah. there was no, uh, you guys just chose not to do a yeah. perception check in that room. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going, I personally, I'm not going to assume that your perception checks are automatic. You're like, Hey, I'm going to search. Okay. Let's do perception. Eventually you went back 
and you had decided not you, you while the party was taking a short rest you're like oh okay i'm gonna look for you know what i can find you guys did find a puzzle book you yeah. found out a bunch of clues about Festandia, the mansion, about her, mm-hmm. and you also found the most important clue, just taking the time to read her like materials that there's a sa- there's a passphrase to get out. So I felt like at that point, it was a little unfair to give you the puzzle book, all of the clues, and the secret door all at the same time, but still give you an option to find that room with a perception check, which eventually yeah, you did. It- yeah, I, I get it. It just threw me off that, like, if I take my time to look through something and then we have to come back and look in that room again, it, you know, it just seems like, I don't know, it, that's what, like, threw me off at the beginning is that, like, we, I thoroughly checked that room because they did a, a a check and they didn't. And I, you know, yeah, <clears throat> I so think, like, if, if, if you would have chosen to do, like, an actual perception check, I, I would have, well, you didn't roll anything. I gave you, like, a, like, I go oh, while you're resting. Yeah, you can find out this information yeah. because that's I what the book a gives you. Perception check in almost every single room until you told me to stop rolling perception checks. I was because my perception is my big thing. So I was as soon as you walk in the room, I would roll a perception check and you would ask me what I was looking for and I'd just say anything out of the ordinary. And then after about <laughs> half a couple of rooms, you just told me to stop rolling perception checks. Yeah. Well, so I so I apologize for that because I feel like once you know that the book that you're looking for, like you you know what it looks like. Mm-hmm. The way they have it in the book, and I, for this stuff, I was really trying to just go off of the book. Um, yeah, those books are out in the open, like they don't okay. really require. Like once you like once you've seen them, and like oh, these are the books with the puzzles on them. Like they're you don't need to roll any perception checks to find them. So but, I, I mean, I, I should have been more specific to you yeah. to say you don't need to roll a perception check to find that book. You see that book. So I I will I will own that because yeah. that's a very specific and important thing. But I also wasn't trying to prevent you from searching to find the things that you were actually like hidden things. Okay, yeah, because that's what I like when we started off. We were, you know, I was doing a, when we walked in. I do that like we'd walk in. I do a perception check and 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 look for things and and it just seemed like that kind of went away and it <clears throat> like because and so like when there are secrets in the room you know i don't know it, that's what kind of got me a little uh, bit confused yeah i'm really sorry one. about that because i don't i definitely don't want to like hold yeah. any information from you guys if you if you do the searches and because there are there were times where you would search for something yeah you don't see anything and you just didn't roll high enough Um, but with the study room i definitely see your point in that you know you spent some time there used to to gather some information i tried to be a little i tried to balance like you found out a ton of information without you know while the party was resting and you did kind of Mm -hmm. a, a sleuthing so that was yeah for me that that was kind of like a dm call of like do i give them literally everything or give them something to kind of fine and then i tried to insert the like coriander oh you know yeah no i I understand that i just it was a little it was a little off that you know it just seemed like like you know like when you walk into a room a perception check is just so like almost a given that that it was just like i don't know it, it seemed it seemed a little weird that like 
you know, we're in a mysterious dungeon or mysterious mansion with a bunch of mysterious stuff, you know, like, and we're kind of being, okay, we found the book. Let's go to the next room. Like real, like kind of, you know, pushing us to go on the path that we're doing and like, uh, and not, you know, when we first went in through, I guess, cause it took time, we were going very carefully. And then once we found that, like, it felt like, you know, like we didn't, like, you know, oh, they, there's no more secrets in here. You found the secrets. Like, kind of, that's the impression that we got was like, all right, let's, you know, you found the secret. It's this book. Let's go. Now you know what to do to get the book. Well, um, if, if the player makes that assumption that there's secrets well, you, left. When you ask, when you tell me to stop doing perception checks, that's the, you know, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. And I, and again, I apologize for, for that because you did not need to roll perception checks to find the puzzle books. The puzzle books were always in the open. Yeah, so in order to find that book, though, somebody would have had to roll investigation to find it. It wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have, the way the book lays it out, it doesn't appear that it would be something that would come up in a perception check. It has oh, okay. to be an investigation. So when Teruvian did, he did an investigation and just unfortunately missed the... Okay, well, yeah, I was doing perception, so I wouldn't have found it. That's, yeah. So yeah, so I guess, like, like again, check. like, I, I'm, you know... Everyone's yeah. got their DM like perspectives and I'm always up for like learning and growing on mine, but I am yeah. absolutely not trying to ever hold information from you guys that is going to hinder, hinder the party, you know, in an unnecessary fashion. Like I'm not, I, I try not, I'm, I feel like I, li I try to be like a nice DM for the most part. Mm -hmm. Like I don't want to make you guys suffer or squirm, but, but that definitely it, to me seems like also just like better communication, especially given this format where it's like, we're not together. We're not, mm -hmm. you know, I'm not giving you a map. So, yeah. Yeah. So I apologize for that, for that. Uh, no, it, it's fine. And I, I, I did it. Cause I, I kind of felt that I was the spokesman for the party, like officially and officially, you know, like we already named the party after me, but like, and there was a couple times where I missed, you know, I may have been writing something down or taking notes when something was said, like at entrance or something. And so like, and then I missed it. And since I was like leading the party, like when Eric, Eric knew there was another door in that study, uh, not the study, whatever they're called, the laboratory. I, I think I was writing down something at that point because I didn't even hear it. And then since I was mm. an, the unofficial lead, we just left the room. And, and that's when Eric got confused. He's like, hey, no, there's a door here. Like yeah. I didn't know there was a door. Yeah, so, I, thought, I thought we continued to go left there. Yeah. I, I, I must have missed when you said, you know, let's turn around and go back out. Yeah. Yeah. But I didn't hear. So like, I think I'll knowing me like with this, as soon as I, like one of the questions I'll ask is like, what are all the exits? Like the, you know, cause we, I didn't even know there was a door to that pantry. Like, even though yeah. there was nothing in the pantry, we, I didn't know that there was a pantry. And so like, you know, with whether that's like when we walk in a room, I think that's like the most important thing is the, the right away. Like how big is the room? Where are the exits? Like that's the first thing you notice when you walk into a room. Yeah. Is like, and then describe the room. You know, like you walk into a room. It's twenty by twenty-five foot. You see three exits, and then I would. Uh, one other thing I wanted to say is that it helps me, even though this is like a alternate dimension, like using uh, cardinal directions, like just arbitrarily choose something as north. It just mm -hmm. makes something easier than to say like, well, if you continue down the path on the thing past the whatever, you just say on the. Toward, on the hallway towards the east, you see this. On the hallway towards the west, you see this. Even though there is no east or west, yeah, like it just makes it. It's easier to picture in in your mind when you use those cardinal directions. Like, need you know, there's a doorway on the left too. and the north. You know, you came in the south doorway. There's a doorway on the left and the north. 
you know, on the, on the to the east and the north. Yeah. Cool. Good. Like good a, points. Like for, a, yeah. like a gra- What is that old uh, a text based adventure? Krog, not Krog. You know what I'm talking about. Oh, there's like a Glorp. bunch of them. Glorp, Gorn. Gorn, Gorn. I think is what I was thinking of. There's uh, yeah, yeah, Dragon Realms and Power Gen or Power Stone. Yeah, used- yeah. And so I, I, I mean, this is definitely the first one that we wrote that we've played where we didn't write it, and it's theater of the mind. So that's like, I think that's yeah. the like when we write it and it's theater of the mind. Like you're one with the Scooby Doo gang. I <laughs> had no problem because you wrote it, so you understood everything about it so it was easy for you to describe it um you know but it you know it, i think this was a little bit trickier because you know it's harder for us to picture and it's harder for you to describe because you're going off of you know like the descriptions that somebody else wrote yeah yeah and, and that might be i mean we'll see as we go through but that might be a like a central problem of this book is that they, the adventures are so short. Like the one that I'm doing is like seven pages. So they don't have a ton of space to describe everything uh, and, and really give a ton of detail. I, I, I don't know if they were limited in like, Hey, it has to be under eight pages or it has to be under 10 pages or we can't <laughs> fit it in the book. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, the writer's, internal editor is gonna probably cut out things that they don't feel is necessary just to save space and then that becomes necessary to us as we're playing yeah but also what's neat about them is they give you you know they they do give you a lean adventure to start with you know there were a few points where i added some of my own flavor or you know decisions in it just to kind of either make it more appropriate for our adventure or just add some more fun for you guys. But I think that's the other good thing about it is like one, just minimal prep. You have everything and having this book just full of small adventures is great. And they're pretty easy to just jump into while still being flexible enough to build on it or tweak or, you know, adjust if, if you need, which is kind of cool, but yeah. So I mean, pros and cons. Yeah, it definitely feels like this study was like the crooks of this whole dungeon. So I get what you're saying. Like we got we got a puzzle book. We got her her journal. Was that what it was? Mm-hmm. Her like writings. Yeah, the library and, is just full of it. Yeah, and this the like secret door. Um and there was a cat in there. Like, what am I supposed to do with all of that? So yeah. you do have to like and when we when we were resting in there was pretty early in the game. We hadn't gone upstairs yet. Um, I'm not sure we even I don't remember exactly. I don't know if we even went out to the uh, the Arboretum or whatever yet. So I also get like the the inclination of like, I don't want to give you everything. You, it's just your like it was the first room we went in. We easily could have done the right checks. And just figured out like basically all of the secrets in the beginning. And from then on, we're just pushing through. And I thought that's what was going to happen, to be honest. Yeah. And I was kind of banking on it so that we could wrap this up like maybe two or three episodes sooner <laughs> so that we could like, <laughs> you know, continue moving on. But that goddamn cat. Yeah. yeah. The, but the thing is like, and I enjoyed this adventure. Um, I really did. I liked it. I thought the the like lore was neat. The space we were in was really cool. The, the like beauty and the beast type of 
inanimate objects that become animated was was interesting. But I don't think that that's a great way. Like you shouldn't put the crooks as more than likely the very first room you're going to walk into. Yeah. Yeah, this one could have been like, I know that this is made by them, but like there, that was one of the things that, and it's not on you. That's it was, it annoyed me because it felt like we had no chance of like it. It's like a, you know, when you an escape the room, like you feel good about solving these little riddles that lead you to the next riddle. And it just, there wasn't the chance to do that, to give you that good feeling of mm-hmm. inkling, you know, like these little riddles solve, like, you know, like, was there a clue that we could have found, like a, using a perception check that leads to an investigation check? You know, like, because you're not going to go in and immediately roll investigation checks in every single room. Right. Yeah. Like, because investigation check is you already know there's a mystery, you're trying to solve it. But like, you know what I'm I'm saying? Like, it's those little clues, like doing a perception check, you're like, ah, oh, you, you notice that yeah, this room doesn't seem as long as the others. You know, yeah. little things like they could have put that in there and you're like, oh, ooh, okay. I'm going to, you know, little little bits of clues. And I think that that's like, that could have been left out because of the the the, sh- the length they had to keep it under this. I think you did a really good job of describing it. I think the flow went really well. I, I think that we weren't like, when we asked you a question, like whether you had to research it or you made it up on the spot, I didn't know. Because I think you did a very good job of keeping the flow right, um, even the either the combat, um, and I, I definitely don't think that combat was aimed for level one creatures because we would have all died if we were level one. So I'm glad you guys yeah. were level two for sure. <laughs> were, yeah, were those, we got wrecked a couple times. Yeah, was that were those the creatures in the book? Yeah, and I pulled some out too. Yeah, the, I don't know, like I whoever like so the the. The combat was way too hard for a level one. Absolutely way too hard. Uh, and the the mysteries were either too easy or too obtuse. Like, yeah, I don't know. So that's my, not at all on your, your DMing was excellent. I, I, I'll give you props for that. It was very good. I liked the voices. I liked the way you described things and all that. It just, yeah. So that's, you know, that's my critique of the actual I think those are um, fair because yeah. like they, when they do, so like the little like side investigations that you're talking about where, where they do put them in, they don't make sense. Like if you would have done some investigating on the homunculi, you would have found out some interesting information that would has, that has no impact on the mystery you're trying to solve presently. Why, why would we investigate the homunculi? Like exactly. I, and, and also like, that's not like investigation on a, a monkey lie. You maybe do insight insights investigates like a thing insights, like with a person. Yeah. This is, they, they say if you do a DC 15 arcana check, uh, um, then yeah, you can learn this information, but like, there's no places where it's like, Oh, if the, you know, if somebody rolls an investigation or finds this clue, you know, cause I think if finding those clues, you can introduce a cool mechanic, like maybe you get advantage on your investigation to put them together or something. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. Having a, a mystery where you don't give somebody who has a high passive perception a like a, a benefit, like that's the thing. And they walk in and they like have a high passive perception. They notice these little things that are off right away. Like, yeah, I don't even know were there ever per- passive perception checks in the in in there that you checked. There's like one or two, but not for not for things that are important. It's like to detect yeah. the enemy. Or here's one, uh, a character who examines these charts with an intelligence check determines that the main goal of the research was to transmute materials into gold. Like that doesn't help you. 
Yeah. And yeah. how would like, and so we would like, how would we have known to do that with everything else? Like, would we have done like, would you had to like force it to us? Like, Oh, are you looking into it? Give me an intelligence check. Like it just seems so, so it feels forced. like you know, um, it's not uh, natural. feels like lower. Well, I mean, it is, but you know what I mean? Like just those little things laid around that are cool. Like I like those kind of details, but I agree, but I In feel like to they... have to like spend the time investigating to get them. I probably wouldn't have done that. Yeah, and they they or they, expected to. they distract you too. Like, oh, something about alchemy. Okay, is that a clue to the puzzle? No. Yeah, and I'm a sucker for like side quests and stuff. I I'm one of those people who I'm like everything must be linear. So if you tell me about alchemy, I'm gonna be like, all right, here we go. Where's the laboratory? Where can I find a Bunsen burner? Yeah, do you have to yeah. like alchemize some kind of puzzle secret to get out? I mean, it just like when I don't know I think that's a really acute um, thing to notice, Billy. That's really important. Just being able to give the party as they're playing through and the DM the the material to work with um, to lay those foundational things to find, so you can put these mysteries together in game. I think was missing in this adventure for sure yeah i i agree is that it was not like it didn't give you that like mystery solving the good feeling when you solve something like the only one that we really solved was that uh the telescope thing which was kind of obvious you know like we didn't have to do any scan to figure out like maybe if there are a bunch of a bunch of different stars and then, like, we had to read a little bit more to figure out which stars he thought were important, or like maybe figure out he liked this constellation, and then point him at the the, the stars of that particular constellation. And mm-hmm. we had to like do an investigation check to figure out which constellation it was, and then like have to figure out which stars went into that constellation instead of like there are five stars and five things, you know, like that's Pretty something basic. that they totally yeah. missed. That was a swing and a miss. That was a softball they could have done, and it was mm-hmm. a swing and a miss. Yeah, I agree with Billy on this. Like that that room specifically with the telescopes. Um we could have been finding clues for that also kind of all over the mansion. Yeah, they were right next and to each other. Like come they on. Were, it was That's it was one was room after a next room and it wasn't even like what it was one check basically and we figured it out. So like Bill said, you know, if you have an investigation check in one room and like and intelligence in the net, you know, like use different skills to solve puzzles. Yeah. Um, but one thing I thought they did well in that, that if that puzzle had been more difficult, where we had to find several things and use several checks, the chances are like, we're going to mess up at least one of these checks. And even if they're all really low uh, DCs, the thing they did well was we also had a second way into that room. Yeah. When we went into the attic. So there was at least two ways to solve this puzzle, even though the puzzle was incredibly easy. Where with with the trap door or the secret door, I'm not sure they did that. Like if there's a thing that you're that is central to your campaign and your players can fail the like perception check, you need to give them at least one more way to get in. Mm. That's really good. As somebody who's never DM before, like that's something I wouldn't have considered. But yeah, that makes yeah. total sense. There's always a possibility that they fail something vital. You know, yeah, like, vital. Oh, this is a super vital yeah. check. And they fail. And 
what do you do from there? Does that just stall? Or do you have to have them do it again? Like, oh, well, you want to take the time to roll it again? Like, that's no fun. Like, yeah. if there's no check. Like, if there's no chance of failure, like, maybe you have to do something that's way harder. You know, like, mm-hmm. I understand, like, that's the easy way is to do this check. Like, it's obvious. But besides that, maybe, like, you had to crawl through the Arboretum sewers or something like that. You know, like, you notice a smell and you had to, like, somehow it was hooked through you know pipes or something like that there's another way but it's less optimal because of said reason yeah and so- yeah chris and i were talking before the uh before we started recording um and it was at least for me like prompted on this like i read something somewhere that there should almost at least with like crucial things like this there should almost always be at least three ways to get to it like or to get through it stealth combat or checks um you, so you should be able to come at it from different ways because like if we all had made just dumb as rocks barbarians like none of us are gonna get investigations you know and that's not our fault like we built our characters <laughs> and we that's like, that's the way the game is made like yeah. we can't all be the best at everything so you need to give them different different tools for different skill sets to yeah. get through like different uh checkpoints well here's another yeah. example when in that study you know, Teruvian was hot on the tri- hot on the investigation and was about to find the the secret door. Failed the critical check to get in there, but Levo, using a different skill set, was able to you know save that check and allow the story to progress. That's a you know yeah, I thought that was cool. Like giving yeah, that wasn't that wasn't in the book. That was just that like, was you. That was you being a good DM. Yeah, find and seeing that. Oh, now we're at a DM. I have to figure out another way, and that was—that's what I'm saying. Like you, your DMing was very, very good. I think the story, the book, let you down in that. Like, I think maybe what we need to start thinking of is that this isn't like it's pre-made, but it's not complete. You know, complete. It's not pre-complete. It is a—it is a skeleton on which you can add things and add more mysteries or you know change the the things you want. I think that's always a good way to think about it because using just what they give you it just seems like there are a lot of things that are missing yeah uh and i mean like in intuitively you knew that and you and you fixed it um but i think that maybe we need to know that from the beginning early on so that like when we look through it and like oh maybe i need to add something for this like oh this is really cool i'll add another clue that kind of leads them to this if it's not that obvious or something like that that's a big thing yeah. that i'm taking away from this is the like room sizes and just better room descriptions uh, be more just thoughtful and direct with like the stuff that I that I give, and uh, I think that's the big one is giving those um, linkages to important things, um, especially given the context of how we're playing, um, you know, through this medium. And then you know, if I'm DMing, I'm probably going to just resume theater of the mind and force that on you guys, but you guys aren't beholden to that for the games you run. But those are the things that I'm going to incorporate from from this session i also like i i love i love playing with you guys i really it's so much fun but just your guys's party role playing your individual characters i want to talk about that for a little bit just like i love cami in the full spectrum i hope um i've got a couple other one shots that i got from like the dms guild so hopefully in the future you know someday we can bring this party back too but i don't know if you guys want to like talk about the party, the characters, or any or the characters you were playing, but I absolutely loved them. There were some just really fun uh, role playing moments that I really enjoyed as a DM. I I really liked it. I think 
that this was specifically a point where we were not the best party for this because I know um, Levo had a negative in investigation check and I had a negative in investigation check. (laughs) And so we had two of the parties had negative in investigation. I had great perception. Yeah, Levo had pretty good perception. Yeah, I had great insight and good, you know, that was high wisdom. Uh, And I think Taruvian had like maybe like an investigation that was like maybe either zero or plus one, right? Like not great. Yeah, it was interesting too. Yeah, like it was the, zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like again, one of our our critical checks. None of us are built to do that. So there there should have been at least one other way to get in there. If it was investigation, perception, smashtigation, yeah, something. Um, I, I like the idea that Billy came up with earlier. I know we're trying to talk about the characters, but. Um, like there was a lab under in the basement with like chemicals in it. Like w- the perception could be like you smell formaldehyde, yeah, in this room. But there's like there's obviously no formaldehyde. So like you just get the like okay, there's there's something here, uh, just to arouse your senses a little bit and, and let you know that something's amiss. It's a good idea. Um, but yeah, I thought it was interesting that. First of all, we were all three fish out of water. <laughs> um, basically, all from like different realms. I leave those from the swamp, but it, it very like that's the only place she's ever been. So it easily could have just been a, a complete different realm. Truvian was from the Underdark, and uh, Cammy was from the Shadowfell. So like all of us are like, this is new and exciting, and in, in but in different ways. And I thought that was really. Like, it came through really interestingly that, like, Cammy was really excited about everything. Truvian was kind of, like, interested, but distant. And Levo actually didn't kind of care about a lot of it. She just didn't understand stuff. I will say, I love how yeah. each of you brought your personality to your character, like, unique personality to char- the characters. Marco, were, were you going to say something? Yeah, I was, um, I kind of purposefully made mine fish out of water just to give myself like more space to do any sort of like role playing that might come up. And I was thinking, you know, the more vague, I guess it was, or his understanding of the world was since I wasn't quite sure what was going to happen, that kind of dovetailed (laughs) nicely. Um, But I think in the future, I would like to have more, at least internal like headcanon for my characters just because it, it actually ended up making decision making easier when I had something to just pull off of. I had a few like plot points in his life that like I didn't need to espouse really and they weren't really important. But just from a storytelling standpoint, I could be like, oh, I don't know what to do myself. So, you know, it gave me space to fall back and just be like what would he do instead which i know is like a big part of the game but since i don't really do that and i'm not super comfortable with it it was it was just fun to be able to kind of figure that out and now that i have i'm like i think that's kind of a method i'm going to use in the future just to help myself with with future characters that's awesome so by fleshing out the backstory at key moments you're able to draw on those to help inform the decisions of your character as like a method of immersion 
Yeah. And if I had done a little bit more of that, then I wouldn't be caught, you know, like live in a game like, um, hmm, well, I don't know. Let me think for a second. So just having some more of what they're about, um, even if nobody ever asks, like, where are you from and who was your dad and how was that relationship? Like it could just help with the gameplay. Totally. Because like role playing is hard and coming up with compelling characters isn't easy. So I think having that as a method, just the more rich you can develop that character, the easier it is to kind of get into their shoes and understand. That's why I like to ask, like, Levo, how are you casting this spell? Cammy, like, what does this ra- what does this bond with the Raven Queen mean? Like, how does that manifest? It's like understanding those things from the character's perspective. I mean, for me as a DM is interesting because I like to understand how their characters work and how they tick. But as the the party mm-hmm. comes together too, like understanding each other, I think is really important. Yeah, and I feel like you're really good at that. Um, it's not like disruptive or invasive the way that you can just be like, okay, tell me a little bit more about that spell you're casting. And that's an easy way to just bring up like, it's just a, a slight nudge of like, hey, like get into the game a little bit here. You have an opportunity that you're missing, which I appreciate. Well, for me, like my my enjoyment as a DM comes from, are you guys having fun? Like, are you guys doing cool sh- the cool shit that you want to be doing? Like, that's that's kind of what I see my job as is just like, you know, the facilitator of the story. So that's one of my ways of just like, this is your chance to shine and to share, you know, to show off a little bit and show off your character. And I like to make sure that you guys have as many opportunities to do that as you as you can. Yeah, and then, like, of course, the inspiration thing helped with that a lot because that was encouraging. Just that little dopamine hit to be like, yeah, that was cool. Like, I'll reward that. Yeah, sometimes I forget to do it because it's just like it's so overwhelmed in your awesome shenanigans. But I like to give them out as much as I can as long as you guys use them. Um, is there anything that you guys want to talk about for characters or the party before we move on to new and exciting adventures? Yeah, I, I think Mark hit on something that uh chris and i have talked about before um and not i don't think we super fleshed it out it was just one of our conversations that like we end up trailing off into something else uh like knowing what your character will do in like very specific situations i think is another like really good way of character building rather than it doesn't necessarily have to take the place of, but sometimes in addition to your like long form backstory of, you know, I was born an urchin and I grew up here. Like, what does your character do when he comes up to a locked door? What does your character do when they see a dollar on the street? What does your character do when, you know, all of these prompts can, can help you define what your character is, who your character is. Um, and then you'll start to see a pattern. You know, like, oh, I snatched the dollar and put it in my pocket. I pick the lock. Okay, this is this type of person. Or, you know, I don't care about the dollar. I don't care about material wealth. And the locked door doesn't bother me. Um, like, it, it just helps you build the psyche of this person. And when you get into a situation like that in a game, you know what that person would do rather than like, ooh, I don't know. He was born an urchin, so maybe he would pick the lock, but maybe he's used to doors being closed on him. Like, you don't have to get into like the the really psychological parts of it. Uh, you just have like clear answers on what your person would do. Yeah. And then and- you can, as a DM, you get to challenge that by offering some moral conundrums with those behaviors. Like, yeah, you're going to open this door, but it's to 
a single mother who's, you know, trying to provide for her three children that you're trying to rob. So, you know, what kind of, what, what does that say about your character when you make those decisions? So then you get yeah. to challenge that too a little bit. Yeah. And there are, you know, like with your bonds, ideals and, and flaws and different things, like they, they give you a, a little bit of those. Uh, but I wonder if there's just like a list of like these types of questions. And I think this is what Chris and I were talking about when, when we had this conversation originally, uh, just like, you know, 30 standard questions or whatever of like, what would your character do in this very simple situation? So it's not moral conundrum because then you can add that on later. Uh, but just yeah. very simple situation. You know, you're in a dungeon, you have a captive. Do you feed him? Do you kill him? Do you, you know, like what what type of person are you? So that again, when this pumps up later, you know what you know what this person, this character would do. And then you can add moral conundrums on top of that. Yeah, I think it's a really good exercise. Well, you guys did a fantastic job playing. I loved each and every one of your characters. Um, I had a ton of fun. I, I really hope that you guys did as well exploring that mansion. Uh, with that, Eric, you're going to be running this next campaign, so you're in charge. Uh, take take us through what you have planned, the setting, and Ezira session. It's it's all you, buddy. Okay, so the the next adventure is called Mazfroth's Mighty Digressions. The tagline is. A monstrous revelation sheds light on a merchant's scam. So in this next campaign, we, I, we are going to the year 1894, the Gilded Age, the beginning of the Progressive Era, and the awesomely named Gay 90s. That's real. To give you a little bit of context on like what the world is, uh, this is our world, like the real world in 1894. Grover Cleveland is the president. Coca-Cola was just sold in bottles for the first time. I think the motion picture was like just invented. Um, a fire ripped through the world's Columbian exposition in Chicago. And that is actually where you all met the year before. So I've listed a, or I've sent a list on Facebook a couple of weeks ago. I could post it again of a few real life people who were all alive in the, in the mid 1890s uh, that I think are probably some of the most interesting people who have ever lived. Uh, I've read biographies on a bunch of them. I've been like mildly obsessed with some others just like over the course of my life. And all of these people don't didn't necessarily know each other, but they were almost all at the world's Columbian exposition in Chicago in 1893. So they easily could have met. Uh, and I think that that's just like a really cool setup for a league of extraordinary gentlemen with real life people. Do you remember me posting this list of characters on Facebook? I do. Yeah. And I okay. already have mine picked out. As Perfect. Do I. Um, <laughs> oh, you better so not have picked mine. <laughs> you better not have picked mine. We'll have to Rochambeau for it. So I wanted to go, I don't know how to do this, because if, if the first person says, like, oh, I want to be this person, and the second person wants to be that person, how about we do this? Out. Can we do, like, a three, two, who's, who do you want to be? Three, two, one, we all say it at the same time and see if Why there's... don't you just tell me who it is, and then I can be disappointed. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, so, well, I'm, I'm extremely flexible. I had hoped to play Nikola Tesla as an artificer. Perfect. I, I have a guess on, who, hang on, Bill. I have a guess yeah. on who you're going to pick. So who am I going to pick? I, I'm not... I don't want to say it because that's kind of like guessing a Christmas present. And then if it's wrong, you're like, oh, this one's good, too. But I'll tell you if I was right. OK, I'm playing Samuel Clement. Oh, yeah. 
100%. That's exactly. <laughs> I was like, Samuel Clements, he's not even on this list. <laughs> nope. Yeah, that's that's 100% who I thought. And I'm so excited. Okay. What what uh, what class? He's a bard and he's, uh, do they get, there's a bard college called the College of Satire. Yes. Hell which yeah. I think is perfect for him. Oh, it's, so I have to make some changes because it's me- meant to be like more court jesters. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's at this point, he's a super old man and he walks with a cane because uh, he dies in like 1905 or something. So he's he was yeah. born in 1810. Uh, he's old. Yeah. Um, he's but I'll, I'll I'll make some changes to it just because he's not a, like a rolling around dexterous court jester anymore. So. Oh, I'm so happy. I was I was hoping that you would pick. Yeah, twain. those are the those are the two that I was like because those two guys also are actual real life friends. Like there's photos of them together, and like when I discovered that, it blew my mind. Because I imagine but, Tesla would probably not call him Mark. He'd probably call him Samuel. Yeah, Sam Clemens was born in 1835. Are we all on the Wikipedia page now? Uh, well, I have that. Because that helps me contextualize people. So I have characters, born year, and how old they are when the adventure takes place, written, I believe, in the Facebook post, because I've just been copying and pasting it. Oh, yeah. Um, so you can see how old everybody is. But uh, he's not the oldest one on the list, but he's the second oldest. There. Yeah. Um, Mark, who are you thinking about playing? Um, I think that's kind of perfect, because I was leaning towards Harry Houdini. Oh, yeah. Hell yes. It's really like every character. You could have said anybody and I would have been excited. But Harry Houdini's awesome. Yeah. He's, he's like 19 at this time. He's like just breaking into like the public eye. Super exciting. So what I want you guys to do, because I don't know how much you know about these characters. Um, maybe like skim their Wikipedias up to, you know, 1893. Uh, you don't really have to read anything past that. So for Mark Twain, that's going to be a, probably a good amount of his. But for Harry Houdini, probably not. Um, get like a good idea of like Thanks. what they've done, maybe what like where they've been. So like I read uh, an entire enormous biography on Teddy Roosevelt. So if you had picked him, I could have guided you along. So I know like where he's been, what he's done, different things by the time he's 35, which is when how old he would be in this adventure. But I've not done that with these other characters, so I can't help you with that. <laughs> and if you're interested in peeking into some character voices, there's a ton of Mark Twain like impersonators or whatever they're called that you could probably pick up some cadence from Bill. Uh, I doubt there are Houdini and Tesla ones, but they're both immigrants, I believe. So you could kind of butcher their native accent, I would assume. Yeah, I've been practicing. My only risk is falling into like Borat, which I will try to avoid. Yeah. yeah. Same thing for Houdini's was like Harold. What's his real name? Something. Eric Weiss. Eric Weiss. Yeah. That's a cool He's name. He's Hungarian. Yeah. So I'm going to have to like YouTube that. Yeah. So they're not come out Australian like all my it's other <laughs> Eastern Europe. If you're Eastern European, same thing with Tesla. Yeah. Like, you got that Slavic Eastern European, you'll probably be fine. I was just going to talk like Yuri Slavukov. Oh, Yuri's always a good call. And that's and probably I'll, my I'll best. Make bet. sure I'll steal your deck of candy bars. No, Bill, you do yeah. not steal my candy bars. I failed German, so I should be able to pull it off. 
That's actually where Mark and I met was German class. <laughs> That's I true. Also failed, I also failed German. <laughs> <laughs> I went through high school somehow dodging all of the requirements to take a foreign language. I didn't believe in it at the time. They said that it was a requirement to get to college, but it is not. That was a lie. Yeah. Yeah, but then I also really wish I had. Like Same. <laughs> I don't speak any other. I took sign language in college, and that has been 100% useless. Well, actually, so for Tesla, one interesting thing, thing I found out about him is that he's a polygot. So he can speak like a ton of languages. Um, I think like 10, 8 to 10 languages he could speak. Mm-hmm. But that was interesting because like trying to build this character, like there's a feat called linguist where you get to choose a bunch of languages and integrate that into your character, which I thought was really cool. Like in terms of trying to reskin a D&D character into 1894 Gilded Age <laughs> setting. Yeah. So that actually is a perfect segue. Um, when we are building these characters, um, you're level two. I wanted to try to get this adventure in early before everything gets crazy because like, we're not going to have a ton of spells or a ton of anything, but when Tasha's Cauldron of Everything came out, it changed a lot of rules in character building, which I, I don't know exactly how I feel about it. We'll probably talk about it at some point, but you can basically just piecemeal every single thing from every race every background everything together so you can pull you know a feature from one background and a different thing from a different race or whatever um so you can really really customize your characters uh which for this kind of setting is awesome because they're all humans so you know you could also easily say like i'm a drow but i don't have light sensitivity or whatever because i want like these specific traits that this person would have so it's going to be a little more complicated of a build because there's not really like you don't pick one thing and then you're done with like half of the sheet you know like your race and your class um i want us to stick with class like as closely as we can and just reskin things as you know as much as that makes sense but if you like if Luckily, Artificer was invented because when I wrote this years ago, we had Tesla, I think, as a sorcerer. Um, but if you need to take things from like the wizard spellbook or whatever, or, you know, from like the monk, because you can punch stuff, like whatever it is, you, you can mix and match. Just do it with discretion. Yeah, I'm actually just sticking with the, I'm not changing anything. I'm not homebrewing anything for Tesla. Okay. Everything is um, like perfect. <laughs> yeah, that really again, luckily the artificer came out. And I don't I don't need you to necessarily homebrew things, but like insofar as like like you said, even like a feat, like you can add feats, you can do whatever, just keep it reasonable because like the linguist isn't, you know, it's not gonna break your character. Um, but if you get like like if you were to have played Roosevelt. Roosevelt reads a book a day and is like an expert hunter and a black belt in judo. And like, so it's like when you, when you're creating real life, like people and some of the greatest humans who have ever lived and you're trying to like give them different scores on their strength and intelligence, like some of these guys are just better at everything than everyone else. So it's kind of hard to do that. So I want to be able to fit like some other things in there to 
to still make it feel like it's like actually this person. Gotcha. Yeah, I feel you. So, Mark, if you need a little help on building the character yeah. sheet for for Houdini, because um, like he's got an obvious class, like he's obviously a rogue, like escape artist. Right. That's what I was thinking. But there's probably but like what race do we want to pick? Like what attributes from which race do we think Harry Houdini would have? You know, because we can easily just pick human like that's, you know, that's easy. But there might be another one out there where like, you know, actually this nimble escape from, you know, the wood elf would work for him. Let's give him that, you know, different things like that. Um, we can kind of look through and figure out. I, yeah, you might sense. not you might not even ever use them, <laughs> but uh, just to fill out this this character sheets, I think is going to be a little bit of an extra challenge than than normal. One thing that just popped in my head for Houdini is like giving him the small feature of a halfling because he can fit into like really tight spaces. Mm, yeah, that would be an interesting thing for like a human to have that they normally wouldn't. So how are we? Um, so we kind of know each other uh, ahead of time. Um, is there magic in this world? Is it like because so for the arc for the um, artificer, the magic comes from like the items, so it's a really easy. Like, mm -hmm. oh, Tesla made this and it does things that seem magical. Yes. So two good questions. Uh, first of all, you all met at the Columbians, the World's Fair of 1893. I can never remember the full name of it. Um, I have an adventure that I've been wanting to run for a long time based around the World's Fair. And I just haven't been able to do it. So this... <laughs> This takes place after that because you all already know each other now. Um, so you met there. You've all become like kind of fast friends. Um, I mean, Mark Twain and Nikola Tesla have known each other before this. So you guys met Harry Houdini and like, this is an interesting kid. Hang out with us, you know, and you're just kind of building like an entourage of interesting people. Um, and that's just that's how you know each other. You You've all shared this kind of harrowing adventure i don't want to say anything about it because i still would like to run the, <laughs> the campaign at some point um but you've kind of formed like a group after that of you you see yourselves as like defenders of like truth and justice and, and things like that and like prosperity and, and progress uh so you know if you run into a problem i can call houdini i could call you know teddy roosevelt and he'll come help me out kind of thing so you you've bonded over this shared experience the the prior year um insofar as like magic i would like to keep it as like low 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 magic as possible so if your character has something that is magical do your very best to like reskin it as something that just makes sense uh so that i i mean with like rogues and artificers that that will probably be easy I don't know the the College of Satire Bard, um, but I mean, we could just assume that, like if it's anything that's like charm person, like Mark Twain could charm a person. Yeah, it's all <laughs> going to be it's not going to be magical. Like his main attack is going to be vicious mockery, obviously, but there's nothing magical about it. He's just going to say words that make you physically hurt yourself. Yeah. Yeah. So like, things like that, like it's all going to be in in character to mark twain and there's not gonna be any magic about it good yeah because because what i think could easily happen is like okay mark twain was so famous because he was magical <laughs> like 
he could he actually had magic so when he said shit it actually did magic to other people and i want to avoid that same with you know everybody like nikola tesla wasn't brilliant because he knew magic he was just brilliant and harry houdini you know brilliant in a different way wasn't because he could just magically escape out of you know milk can milk canisters with straight jackets on like he had to do the work i would say there's something inherently magical about words something inherently magical about all of these people <laughs> um you know but not like the weave man so uh, uh i have another kind of like clarifying question about the the setting Mm -hmm. So with this kind of like version of Tesla that I wanted to play, it's kind of like the the Tony Stark. Yeah. Like, in, like uh, that's who I'm kind of channeling. Like, because when you look at Tesla, he was very, very well groomed, incredibly tall, just like a striking, handsome, like very in fashion type of guy. Yeah. And very charismatic. And I just thought like making these inventions, these cool technological inventions and with the artificer, you get to choose a couple of basically you get to start with a couple of lesser magic items that you get mm -hmm. to pick from and just kind of integrating that into an exaggerated version of the world. Is that like like a pop kind of culture version of the world or do we have that? Yeah. Liberty? Yes. Yes. One hundred percent. So, you know, if you read I've read I read Nikola Tesla's autobiography years ago Um you don't need to stick to like his actual personality. Although like you could, it could be cool. Um, Cause a lot of people I think nowadays think that Tesla was potentially on the spectrum mm -hmm. um, and he died. They think a virgin and like was in love with a pigeon allegedly. Like there's a lot of really crazy weird shit about Tesla. <laughs> you can lean into that or you could have him be Tony Stark like that. I don't care. Um, it's already an exaggerated like world because we kind of stopped talking about magic. So you guys don't have magic, but like Alistair Crowley, if you had picked him, he's got magic and like sitting bull probably has some magic, but I, I still want it to be like very low level. Yeah. So, so it is, it is like, like you said, like a pop culture version of the world. Um, I, I don't want to get into like gritty realism. Cause I don't think that that's necessarily fun nor the right place to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, so yes, restrain yourself, but but also make this world magical. Yeah, you know, not yeah. magical. Like all of because the artificer like gets quote magic, but it's done through items. So it's very like oh, it's just electricity, and that's yeah. Um, and the spells that I think that I chose were like identify and maybe detect magic, but that could be just like a reskin version of something else in the game it's like it's like historic magical realism yeah yeah I like that and, and, and what was there, there's like a, a phrase that like any like advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic yeah i know what quote you're talking about something like and that. and like this is the time in like human history where that is like definitely true like think of the prestige yeah. um the prestige takes place during this time the movie, The Prestige, um, and like, so they're stage magicians, but technology is advancing so quickly and the average person like can't, I mean, this still happens, but the average person can't like understand it. So like it can easily be either disguised as magic or just like 
actually magic because no one understands it but Tesla. So is he not a wizard? Yeah, totally. I'm super excited. What? Did you have any other questions about it? I thought I thought there was one that I missed. That was from that was uh, the only ones from from me. Okay. Or that I had. Uh, Billy, do you have any questions? No, no, I'm good. I'm I'm ready. For, I'm focusing on my guy. I'm I think I'm good to go. Good. Uh, Mark, anything? Oh, I think it all makes sense to me. Cool. I just got to do some research on my character as well. Awesome. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. Like I said, this is a setting I've been wanting to play for years. So I'm, I'm excited to see what you guys come up with. I, I, it's weird to say like character wise, because obviously I know like who they are, but like how you interpret them, I think is going to be super fun and interesting. Um, we are more than likely like next week, just going to get into it. Like you guys are just at a place and we can figure out like why or what or not, because I'm not sure it's super important, like why you're there or how you're there. Um, just because you guys are, you're like the richest people in the world, like the most famous people in the world during this time. Like, I, I think of it as like the Ocean's Eleven entourage kind of like, but the actors, not the characters. Like, it's not strange that like Brad Pitt and George Clooney hang out in, you know, France. Like they're buds, they do it. Um, so that's kind of like the uh, the setup a little bit. I think it makes it easier too because because we have that pre-existing relationship. Like there's not sort of the awkward or as an awkward like oh getting to know you mm -hmm. yeah and i love the world's fair is perfect for that it actually makes sense yeah I, I mean i can talk about this all day i love it um but like the world's fair like i said mark twain was there tesla was there uh buffalo bill and sitting bull weren't allowed to be participants so they set up like a competing fair like buffalo bill's wild west show outside like like a mile away um yeah and like they all like intermingled with each other but it's just like this weird touch point in history that you know almost like like the signing of the constitution that like all of these great figures were all in the same room at one point and that's just like i don't know it's super cool to me yeah that whole world's fair is just a super cool story and setting so that is going to be the next mystery um Sorry to give you guys homework to like have to read Wikipedia's and and potentially learn like accents and and watch character actors play your <laughs> your people, um, but I, but I think it's a good exercise in you know in building characters because we have these constraints like these are real people you can go out of the box but you're not starting from scratch so that that gives you some leeway or gives you like a starting point but it also gives you some. Um, some like boxes you have to play in. And I think that that's really fun and interesting. Yeah. I think that having some constraints or parameters pre breeds even more creativity because you have to, you know, express that within these restraints. So I'm, I'm personally like, I am so pumped to play this game. For sure. Me too. Creativity is nothing if not problem solving. Yeah. I think we'll be doing a lot of that together. And just like, I, I think most, the thing I'm most excited about is like being able to interact with, the the party like harry houdini and mark twain uh nikola tesla just like what shenanigans are these guys going to get into and we will find out next time that's it for our review of the joy of extra dimensional spaces and our zero session for maths frost mighty digressions adventure two and candlekeep mysteries what's in store for houdini tesla and twain 
Subscribe at plusonetogaming.com to find out next week's episode where we get right into it with Mass Frost Mighty Digressions. Have you played through the joy of extra dimensional spaces? What'd you think? Let us know in the comments section or shoot us a note at plusonetogaming at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening and we'll catch you next time.